Welcome to podcasts recorded live at the Center for Spiritual Living in Portland, Oregon. Listen past the end of the podcast to find out more about our spiritual center and ways that you may collaborate with us. Happy Sunday, everyone. We're working our way through seven whispers uh, this month, and Christina Baldwin's idea is that really anything that we could need in terms of information, in terms of support, in terms of connection, that all of those things are available to us if we're willing to listen to that internal voice, that internal connection to something that's larger than ourselves, that we don't really have to go to extreme measures to find spirituality, but rather that inward journey, that ability in some ways to simply listen to what our heart is saying. And uh, today I'm going to talk about one of the whispers that she talks about in terms of living on purpose. And and some of you who were here last month know that early last month I actually did a, uh, a segment on living on purpose. And we did a little visioning and we talked about why am I here on the planet and what's my gift to give to the universe. And, and really in some ways a, a fundamental look, the big picture of what our purpose is. And And this actually is a little different than that. And I want to start by reading uh, a, a brief intro to this particular chapter. She says, practicing certainty of purpose is a commitment to figure out why we are here and what we're going to do about it. So last month we did the why we're here. Today we're going to focus on this idea of what we're going to do about it. When we practice certainty of purpose, we balance our personal will to fulfill certain needs and desires with an awareness that our individual lives affect the needs and desires of the larger community. Let me read this part again. When we practice certainty of purpose, we must balance our personal will to fulfill certain needs and the desires after the needs and desires of the larger community. So it's not not just me with a purpose that's there for me, but also how I bring about that purpose, of course, is here involved and connected to an entire world of other people. And so that's what we're going to talk about more today. And I think where I want to start, though, actually, is talking about what a rotten little kid I was when I was about seven or eight. And in fact, I want to, I'd like a show of hands. Was I the only rotten one here? Do any of you... Uh, were any of you kind of little buggers, if you know what I mean? And I, I still, okay, fair enough. I suspected you, Sage. Yes, I did. We'll talk more about that later. Uh, but I still remember when I was about uh, seven or eight was when I really learned about this idea of purposefulness. And it was in the context of something I had done, um, shall we say, willfully and against house rules. And I and, and actually it sort of escapes me what it was I did today, but I remember my mom looming over me. Uh, I didn't get much of my growth until I became a teenager. I was kind of a, a little shrimp, and I still remember her leaning over me, surveying whatever carnage I had brought about in the home, and saying, did you do this on purpose? <laughs> right? 
And so what came up was that whole idea of, well, how much is kind of going along with other people? How much is, well, it just happened? <laughs> and how much is no? I actually sat down to, you know, wreak havoc on the world today. And, uh, and of course, it made a difference to her, right? The idea being when we're kind of falling into something, maybe we have less of a degree of culpability because it wasn't so much on purpose. And I still remember uh, several times when I would get in trouble, I got off the hook, well, somewhat off the hook. I mean, often I still had to clean up my own mess, but I would get off the hook when it was clear I had not actually done this on purpose to hurt other people or cause them pain. You know, I just got kind of carried away. And that was, to a degree, a mitigating factor, that idea of purposefulness. Did you do it on purpose? Now, that was the context in what, where, where I learned the idea of perhaps purposefulness. But, but of course, that was more of a negative example, not a positive one. I would like to suggest to you, too, that when we put purposefulness on the positive side of stuff, that also elevates, if you will, the, the meaningfulness of, of what you're accomplishing. So, so as an example, uh, uh, when we did talk about purposefulness uh, um, maybe a month or so ago, uh, part of it was the idea, not just that you would fall into service, not just that, you know, out of lack of some other uh, enlightenment, you might choose to, uh, to befriend someone who's homeless, but rather that idea of let us put some purpose in our idea of service. What is it that I'm really called to do and how might I start out doing that? And, uh, and at the same time, again, this was a month ago, I challenged you, if you remember your, what your homework was from that long ago, I'm not sure I do, uh, the homework was to see how you might stand for something out in the world, how your purpose might be reflected in choosing a cause, choosing a group of people, choosing uh, something that's important to you, something you stand for, and how might you be that out in the world. And so my, my other example is, well, I took my own advice for once, and uh, uh, I actually signed up to volunteer at the Q Center, a local resource for, for gay and lesbians. And, uh, and so I went for my uh, little training program and my, my gift to the, the, the Q Center is, uh, is counseling a couple times a month. So I have a little shift of three hours of counseling for people who need it. And, and I had my opportunity, my purposeful opportunity of, of being there this last week. And uh, I got there and someone had left me a note don't be surprised if no one comes. <laughs> and, and apparently, you know, this is sort of a new thing that the Q Center is doing, and it's only been on since, uh, I think, September. And so apparently, very often, no one takes advantage of it. But, and so, I, first of all, I said to myself, well, maybe even that is actually a wonderful thing, knowing that counseling is available now, 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 some of you are going, well, Larry, that's maybe, you know, drawing, <laughs> intenuating the good here a little bit. But, but honestly, just even maybe the thought that if I needed counseling, there was a place to go and someone would be there. And so I kind of rested in that as the first hour went by and the second hour went by. 
And the third hour went by, and two minutes before my, uh, my shift um, was over, the receptionist came up and said, you know, I know we're closing now. Um, the whole center is going to be closing in a few minutes, and I know your shift is over, but there's this gentleman that has been here for like five or six hours, and, you know, the 12-step the program came and went, and several other activities at the, at the center came and went. And he's been, like, to all of them, and he seems kind of, I mean, he went to the 12-step program, and he doesn't have substance abuse as an issue, right? It was like, I think he needs to talk to someone. And so she brought him in, and come to find out, here's a gentleman in his 60s that is discovering that he's gay. And he was terrified. And he had hung out there all day just to get an idea that there maybe are nice people that are like him. Do you know what I mean? He felt so isolated and alone and so unsure of himself. And you know, normally this is something that someone more like a teenager might be experiencing, that that fear and pain of being different and whatnot. And here, here, you know, someone, a senior, was having that same kind of experience. And, and I got to tell you, it wasn't particularly that my counseling skills were of use. He really just wanted someone to talk to. Do you know what I mean? And that was when I really got the complete connection to us all. Because that's the kind of conversation that any one of us at any time might be called into play. To simply listen to someone pour their heart out. To simply affirm that they're a good person. That even in their differences from everyone else, there is a connection. There is a love present. There is life to be led. There is the the joy of living, living and the expectation of good to come. I mean, it was no more counseling than what you might counsel to, you know, a friend or a loved one or even a stranger. And yet, and yet... Moments like that make all the difference. And so when we talk about our life's purpose, well, that's one thing. But I think there's also purpose in the moment. Purpose of being available for your higher power to work through you in the moment. That ability to be fully present, to listen, to interact with someone in a very real and human way. It doesn't matter if your shift is over. It doesn't matter if you should have been doing something else or could have been off doing something else. In that moment, you listened well enough to know that a human being needed some help and you were willing to stand up for that, to represent that, to be, if you will, the divine force in the world, even if it's only to listen. And so my question, um, that, that was uh, last Tuesday. So my, my internal question to myself is, you know, this, so, so this was set up as kind of a purposeful thing, right? I'm having a shift at the Q Center and it's expected that I'm available. And, but what happened in my own heart was, how do I set myself up so that I can have that level of awareness and listening and availability 24 hours a day, seven days a week? That it doesn't require me to, on purpose, have a little training and sign up for a shift, but that 
if any time, and it doesn't matter whether it's one minute before I'm supposed to be doing something else or a random telephone call or whatever, how can I on purpose be that available? And so that's what I've been working on this week. And you can probably a little bit sense where I'm going with a bit of homework. And, and I'm not saying that you have to be on tap seven days a week and 24 hours a day. I mean, that is probably more the minister's role and, and count me in for being that for all of you. But how might we all up-level our purposefulness for being available to people in need? So that's the homework, that's my question. Now, I did it through an actual program of volunteering, of service in the world. That's what kind of got me started on this. And maybe that would be a place for you to start, too. My recommendation from a month ago when we were talking about what do I stand for? What do I put my energy into? What, what's important to me, whether it's, you know, working with, um, I don't know, pets that don't have a home or whether it's, you know, nurturing um, children or what, you know, all of us, I think, stand for some things that are important. How do I do that in the world? How do I make myself available in a purposeful way, whether it's as organized as volunteering for something or whether it's unorganized and yet still just as purposeful to be there for the people in your community, in your family, your friends, and maybe even available for some strangers as well? Just someone maybe who's sitting on the bus next to you. Maybe just someone that catches your eye and you have that wonderment. Maybe this is someone that I could listen to. And it doesn't need to be profound. I would say that my interchange at the Q Center with the, with the gentleman wasn't particularly profound in a way. It was just listening it was just hearing someone pour their heart out, someone who needed to talk, someone who needed this sense that they were actually connected to other people rather than disconnected from. You know, He was feeling that pain of being different, of perhaps being ostracized by family or, or, or that troublesome aspect of being different. And really, all I needed to do to be 100% successful in that interchange was to listen and let him know that he was not alone. And I would bet there are thousands and thousands of people in our community during this holiday season that need nothing more than to be listened to and to let them know that they are not alone. So are you willing to fill that role? I think of it, you know, we watched, uh, we watched that funny movie with the ringing the bell and it means an angel got their wings. Or did, Do any of you watch some of the corny, yeah, oh, actually about half of you are nodding. All right. So I don't even remember the title of it. Daniel like slipped it in the, in the Blu-ray player and off we were and I went, oh, it's that movie again, you know, and all of its black and white splendor. And, uh, and I guess I would like to think of us as being those angels this holiday season. Might there be some way, and, and I know we're, we're trying to even here set us up to be successful. So one way to be an angel, uh, the food bank, you know, please, please bring some, some extra food. We have uh, even minions apparently need love. And so, uh, you know, uh, we're, we're helping you, but let's see if we can make an elevated commitment to purposefulness 
in our idea of bringing more connection, more love, more joy, that sense of purposefulness simply in listening to another human being and letting them know that they are not alone. All right, I've got a joke. You knew I had a joke, and here it is. So a husband's out Christmas shopping. He spends the day looking for things for his wife, but honestly, not very successfully. He checks in with her over his cell phone. Hi, honey, I'm still shopping. Well, that's good. Where are you now? Well, remember that little shop you used to buy some clothes in? Um, not really sure. Well, it's the one near the mall. I get that, honey, but which mall? Oh, yeah, it's near Washington Square. It's that little store that had those elegant evening clothes that you liked so much. Oh, yeah, I remember, she said. Isn't that the place that had the handbag you said you wanted that was so expensive? Was it Dooney and Burke or something like that, that little red handbag? She says, why, yes, I do remember that store. He says, well, I'm right next door at the gun shop. (laughs) And so, by way of summary, (laughs) I would like to ask if perhaps we're next door at the gun shop. If we are so busy with what's going on in our own lives, in our own minds, in our own little circle of friends, our own little uh, funnel of activity, if you will. Because I know how busy this time of year is, and I know I just gave you a, a homework assignment that could take some time and effort, but could it be in our busyness that we're actually next door to the gun shop, that we're right next to a place where we could make such a difference? That, that just by refocusing our energy a little bit, by, by just taking a little bit of a step to the right, we might be there for someone, that we might find the time to be of help, to bring some joy, to represent that, that uh, holiday giving spirit, that sense of participation in life. So I want to close today with a a quote of Ernest Holmes about this idea of connection and this idea of, uh, of really participation in the world. He says, the one seeking to demonstrate the power of spiritual realization in everyday affairs must believe in divine guidance. He or she should affirm that their mind is impressed with the images of right action and good choices, that everything in our lives is controlled by love, harmony, and peace. And then everything that we do will prosper. Every piece of help that we give will be rewarded. That the eternal energy back of all things will animate our way and that we always are successful. So let us pray. There is one power and one presence, one life, one goodness. It is this thing that I call God, but, but whether you think of it as divine intelligence or the consciousness of the universe, just know that when I say the word God, I mean all that there is. All of the love, all the life, all of the joy, the, the physical universe, yes, but, but even that unmanifest idea of, uh, of joy and peace represented in that one thing that I choose to call God. And what I know about it on this day is that it is the infinite connections that exists between all people that none of us are isolated, that none of us really are, are alone or uh, left behind, that every single one of us is part of this glorious human race, that web of connection, existence, and love. 
And so for myself, this week and beyond, I claim that ability to, to really feel those connections, to listen for that ability to show other people how connected and loved they are, that ability to simply to be there, to listen, and to show off that connection of all things. And as it is true for me, I know that that possibility exists for each person in this room, that, that with willingness comes that ability to up-level the whole planet, that with that ability to just listen, to be present, to let people know that they're loved and that they matter, it elevates this entire planet. And so for this willingness, I give great thanks. For this holiday season where so many people may feel disenfranchised, I, I represent and I would like to think we represent that greater humanity, that ability to show love and compassion for all. And for this, for this, I give great thanks. I let it be and together we say, and so it is. Thank you for being here today. Thank you so much for being here today. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you happen to be in the Portland, Oregon area, we'd love to have you visit in person. The Portland Center for Spiritual Living is located at 6211 Northeast Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. We have inspirational services at 9 and 11 a.m. every Sunday. Our mission is to open hearts, ignite minds, and to make a difference. If you'd like to support our center and its podcasts, you can donate online at www.pcsl.us slash donate. Our website is also the place to learn more about what's going on at the center or to contact us. Allow us to become part of your extended community. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you are most welcome at the Center for Spiritual Living.